Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. Amen and amen. Well, I think we could just go ahead and have an invitation after that prayer. Amen. I don't even know that I need to preach. Chad was preaching. Amen. That's good. Liam, thank you again, young man, for standing up and uh, sharing Psalm 23. What, what a blessing. And I'm not trying to rain on your parade, but if you have your Bible, if you'll turn with me to Psalm 23, uh, I want us to look at this passage one more time. You say, well, Liam already said it all. Yes, he did, but we're going to look at it again anyway. Uh, it is good to see each and every one of you. Good to see some folks back from vacation. And, and let me just say this, Marilyn, it is good to see Marilyn Rich Creek back there. Amen. Give her a round of applause, man. It is good to see her. I told Tim he was in trouble. No more playing around that you were back in the house keeping an eye on him. So it's good to see you here today. Look with me at Psalm 23. What a blessing it is to be in the Lord's house. Amen. Amen. Psalm 23, beginning in verse number 1. David, being moved by the Holy Spirit of God, writes to us. And he shares some incredible truths as have already been communicated to us. But look again with me in verse number one. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He said, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He continues on. He says, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And then, as Liam said, he talks about preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. He says, and my cup runneth over. And then David concludes by saying, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And he said, and I, he said, and I will dwell in the house of of the Lord for how long? Forever. Say it again. Forever. How long are, going to we, are we going to be with Jesus? Forever. That's good news. Thank you so much for your friendly participation as we read and read God's Word. Well, today, as has been advertised, is the final message of our series in this most well-known and beloved psalm of all, Psalm 23. And Truly, as I said at the beginning, my prayer has been that for every believer, that every believer would be encouraged. I mean, we live in a season of desperation, a season of anxiety, as I'll mention here in a moment, a season of discouragement and depression, if you please. And I, my prayer, really, from the beginning was that every believer would be encouraged with the truth that, the, that being known, being known and wholly owned by the shepherd, the idea of being known and wholly owned by the shepherd would just be such an encouragement to us. And if you're not a believer yet, man, I, I, my prayer has been that you would understand that Jesus is and he is the only shepherd worth knowing. 
He is the great, he is the good shepherd, the great shepherd and the chief shepherd. As Pastor Travis made it abundantly clear by echoing and, and kind of die, uh, uh, going through the various shepherds that we see even in the Old Testament and seeing that really it was all nothing. It was just preparing the way for the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd of our souls. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse number 7, he said that he, he said, I am the door. Of this sheep, and if you continue to read on in verse number nine and following, he continues. He says, "By me, he says, if any man enter, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture." And you know, John ten ten, he says, "The thief cometh but for to kill, steal, and to kill and to destroy." And, but Jesus said, "But I have come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly." And he concluded in verse number eleven by saying, "I," he said emphatically, "I'm the good shepherd." And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Oh, friends, Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for you and for me. It's like that song that we sang months ago. His life for mine and his life for yours. That's what the good shepherd does. As we look at this text and other passages in scriptures reveal that David, the psalmist here, King David was someone who, like us, dealt with his own seasons of difficulty. He lived in his own 2023, if you please. He dealt with his own difficulty and discouragements. He faced the aggravation of the former King Saul who, who chased him at every turn. He dealt with opposition to the Philistines. He dealt with division in the nation of Israel, trouble within his own family. And David was also, by the way, he was also plagued by his own sin. Anybody ever been plagued by your own sin? David can identify. And at some point we know uh, more than likely later in life while possibly pondering an earlier time in his life when he too was a shepherd of sheep, the Holy Spirit of God moves David. Look at our text. He moves David along to consider the truth that not only, not only consider the time when he served as a, as a shepherd, how he cared for the sheep. You remember what he told Saul when he goes out to face Goliath? He says, listen, there was a, there was a bear and a lion. Listen, I took them out because they were trying to get to the flock. And so he knew what being a shepherd was all about. But I don't believe that the Holy Spirit of God just moves David to remember his time as a shepherd. No, he moves him to ponder the wonderful significance of God's incredible care for him. Notice in verse 1 again, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He says, yeah, I may have been a shepherd of sheep. I may be the king of Israel at this time, but the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And as he continues to reflect, look at the psalm. He continues to reflect on the Lord's work in his life as a shepherd. The Spirit reminds and instructs David, just as he has done with us, that when the Lord is the shepherd of our lives, there is nothing that you and I could ever want. Anybody awake today? When the Lord is the shepherd of our lives, there's nothing... There's really nothing. Listen, you can have all the homes. You can have all the cars. You can have all the new blazers. Do you like my new blazer? You can have all of that junk that you want. 
But without Jesus, it's nothing. When the Lord is the shepherd, David said, I shall not want. And look, at, it goes on in verse 13. He says, remember, we were reminded that the Lord, he, he's not only David's shepherd, but David says, he leads me. He leads me into rest. He leads me into refreshment. He leads me into righteousness for his name's sake. And David goes on and he says, and when I wander, because we're all prone to wander and leave the God that we love, right? He says, when I wander, not only does the shepherd lead me, but the shepherd restores me. He comes and he retrieves me from my wandering. And when I fall down and I'm flat on my back and my legs are kicking in the air like a sheep that's been cast down, the good shepherd picks me up. And he massages my limbs and gets the circulation going. And he gives me a pat and puts me back into the flock. This is what David knew about the shepherd. He knew that the shepherd would guard him and protect him as he walked through the dark valleys of life. Anybody walked through a dark valley of life? David said, hey, there's a shepherd. And my shepherd, he guards me and he protects me as I walk through these dark valleys in the shadow of death. And he said, I don't have to fear anything because my shepherd not only guards and protects me, he goes with me and he comforts me. And then as Pastor Travis so eloquently shared with us last week, we were reminded that David said also, not only did the shepherd protect and guard and on, but he, he sustains us, he anoints us, and he fills us up. As Liam said, I love it. To overflowing. That's what he said. To overflowing. This is what the shepherd does. So really, when we think about it, Psalm 23 is all about what the Lord does for his sheep. Not what we do, but what he does. Amen? And knowing all the benefits of being a member of God's holy flock, David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He reassures himself that he is forever under the sound, sympathetic, and intelligent ownership of the shepherd. And because David knew the Lord Jehovah, or Jehovah, the self-existent and eternal God and King, was his shepherd, he was able to say, in a sense, he was able to say, you know what, I really don't need a thing. Can we say that today? Can we, could we just be honest and say, you know what, with Jesus, I really don't need a thing because he gives me everything that I need. You notice I said he didn't give you everything you want. We would blow it if he gave us everything we want. In fact, sometimes I think he gives us too much of what we want out of his goodness. What a great Savior we serve. And while what David says, look at verse number one, while what he says in verse number one is an incredible statement, David says something even greater. Look at the last part. See, because after recalling all of the great things that the shepherd had done, all of the great things the shepherd was doing, and all of the great things that the shepherd would do, notice what David says in verse number six. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, from beginning to end, Psalm 23 is an exercise of faith and without faith the Bible tells us it is impossible to please God and so faith is an important aspect of this psalm it brings to mind everything that we as sheep have in the shepherd this is why if you notice my title slide this is why I have aptly subtitled this this series if you please encouragement from the shepherd 
Because whenever we find ourselves in need, we can take heart knowing that all the things that are at our disposal are there because of Christ and only Christ, right? In fact, without a shepherd, I put in my notes, we're in trouble. Without a shepherd, we're in trouble because we'd be sheep wandering around and we're not going to find the green pastures. We're not going to find the still waters. Uh, we're going to be scared to death of the, uh, of the valleys and the dark valleys and the shadow of death. We're going to be fearful of that. Uh, and forget about setting up a table in the presence of our enemies. Without the shepherd, we are in trouble. But when Christ is our shepherd, we have all that we need. In fact, David put it this way in Psalm 103 and verses 1 and 2. He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And watch what he says at the end. And forget not. Forget not all his benefits. How many here today would be honest, and I know we're in a Baptist church and nobody wants to respond typically, but how many people would say, you know what, I'm a little forgetful? Every husband raised his hand because he forgot their anniversary. I did not forget our anniversary this week, did I, baby? Listen, we are forgetful people. And David says, listen, we need to not forget. Make sure that we never forget all of the benefits that we have in the shepherd. That's why he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So quite simply, this last verse, if you've been taking notes over the past five weeks, here it is, our, our last point. I'll give you one point and I'll give you a couple of sub points here. Our last point is that the shepherd loves his sheep. Sounds simple enough, doesn't it? The shepherd loves his sheep. When the Lord is your shepherd, you can be sure that his love will surround you now and always. Listen, as David looked backwards and forwards, he was convinced of this reality so much so. Look at the very first part of verse number 6. So much so that he tells us in verse 6, notice he starts with this word surely. Now the word surely comes from the Hebrew word ach. It actually, that's how you say, ach. It's almost like you got something in your throat. It's, it, you, you look at it and you say, well, it looks like ach. It's, it's ach, right? And it actually is considered an adverbial particle. And like me, you're probably saying, well, is this grammar school? Is this grammar class? Is, what, what is this all about? Because I'm not a student of Hebrew. Well, it doesn't matter. Adverbial particles are part of the English language as well. But in this Hebrew context, an adverbial particle is a word that is being used, notice there, to denote a very strong or positive affirmation of truth. Now, here it is. The word surely actually means, watch it, only, certainly, truly, or verily. The first meaning there is only. So now, what is being said, so you see what is being said, what follows this word surely is an unbending or unalterable, an undeniable truth. So let's read verse number six again. But this time when we read verse number six, let's remember this meaning of only instead of the word surely. So notice what David says again. He says surely or only, only goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You think about the importance of this statement because to David, it was a settled fact that the only thing, the only thing that had followed him and the only thing that was following him and the only thing that would follow him worth taking note of was God's goodness and God's mercy. You know, there are a lot of things that follow us. You say, well, that's not the only thing that follows us. Listen, there are a lot of things that follow us. Anybody got skeletons in their closet? Anybody? Three people out of hundreds got, like, ah, listen, I'm not going to participate. What's crazy to me is Travis will ask you if you've robbed or stolen something, and everybody will say, yeah, I did that. I ask you if you have a skeleton in your closet, people are like, I don't want to be identified as having a skeleton. Every one of y'all have skeletons. Come on, be honest. But David understood that the goodness of his shepherd was not someone to push him to remember the skeletons, but to remember his goodness. You see, our Lord loves his sheep. And David said, hey, the only thing worth paying attention to, I could pay attention to all that junk that is in the past. I could pay attention to the sting of sin. I could pay attention to all my shameful decisions in the past. I could pay attention to the way that I spoke to somebody yesterday. I could pay attention to all these things that were behind me. But listen, as the song says, the cross before me. Listen. David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life as born, uh, bought and born again sheep of the holy flock of God. We can be confident that because of the shepherd's love, listen, we can be sure that his love is following us or pursuing us. His love pursues us day in and day out. Our Lord loves his sheep. He leads us to green pastures, beside the still waters, in righteousness. He restores, he guards, and on and on we could go. But his love can also be detected in verse number six because he is assigned, I love it, the imagery here, he's assigned a couple of his sheep dogs to come behind us. A couple of border collies, if you please. I thought about putting a picture of my two dogs up there. I know what you're going to say. I don't have a border collie. You're right, I don't. He assigns, if you please, here's the illustration or the illusion. The shepherd is leading us. We know him, he knows us. We hear his voice and he says, and my sheep follow me. So the shepherd is leading us. But because we are prone to wander, because we're prone to go this way, we're prone to go that way, it's as if the Lord has assigned a couple of his little sheepdogs, goodness and mercy, aptly named goodness and mercy, to come behind. You ever had a dog nip at your heel? I have, especially making visits. Some of y'all have dogs you need to put them on leashes when I come to visit. I went to visit a lady, I remember it was in COVID. You remember my wife knows. I'll not mention who it was, but I was out going to visit people, COVID or no COVID, and I got out and all of a sudden there were a couple of Doberman pinchers right on my heel. I will tell you, one of them grabbed a hold of this leg and what he about got was this foot. 
Now stay with me. It's as if the Lord has assigned a couple of sheepdogs aptly named goodness and mercy to come behind us and to nip at our heels, to keep pushing us forward and closer, closer and further moving forward as a flock together, moving closer to the good shepherd. Oh, listen, the word follow comes from the Hebrew word radaf and means to run after, to chase, to pursue, to attend closely upon. It speaks upon the ongoing and continuous action of pursuit. Therefore, not only does the Lord lead us, not only does he restore us, not only does he guard, protect, and sustain, and all these other things, but the Lord, he sends his dogs, goodness and mercy after us. Because he doesn't want us to wander off from him. You know, the Bible says, James tells us in James 1.17, that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Oh, listen, it's been, good. it's been said. In fact, even Chad referred to it even in his prayer. It's been said that God's goodness can be seen in what he gives us. And what he gives us is what we don't deserve. Right? And his mercy can be seen in the fact that it withholds what we do. Man, I'm so thankful that every once in a while, not all the time, but every once in a while, my earthly father showed me a little mercy. You're like, was that needed? Yeah, you see, I wasn't born in the year 2000. I was born back in the 60s when discipline was a reality at my home. My dad, my, can I tell you this, dads, be real nice. I know it's not Father's Day. When my dad said no, that's exactly what my dad meant. Anybody identify? Anybody still have scars to prove it? <laughs> I always said my dad had a sick, twisted sense of humor. I remember he went away one time on a military trip to Arizona. I think it was Arizona. He'll probably call me this afternoon and correct me. Maybe it was New Mexico. And he came back, and there were, at that time, there were four boys. My youngest brother had not been born yet. And uh, he came home, and I, I thought this was really sick. He came home, and you know what he brought? He brought every one of us new belts. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It had a big old belt buckle on it. It had our name on it. And then it had our name embossed on the back. And I kind of feel like he bought those belts for us just in case he ever needed to impart some wisdom to our backside. I thought, this is sick. What a sick, twisted sense of humor. I love you, Dad. But I'm also thankful that there were occasions when my dad said, you know what? I'm going to withhold what you do deserve. God's goodness and God's mercy. Please don't walk out of here without understanding the significance of God's goodness and his mercy. It is so incredibly important to us. Listen, Romans, actually Romans chapter 2 and verse number 4 reminds us that it is the goodness of God that actually leads you and I to repentance. He is patient. He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And his long-suffering is connected to his goodness, which leads us into repentance. This is the God we serve. 
And like David, let's be honest, we have all sinned and come short of God's glory. But instead of allowing the guilt and the shame and, the past, and, and, and his past sins rule and reign over his life, David recognized the goodness and mercy of God. And I don't want you to turn there, but I want you to think about something. Many of you know what's going on in Psalm 51. This is David's penitent prayer. The, Nathan, uh, the prophet Nathan comes to him after David's sin with Bathsheba, right? Probably one of the great sins that people learn about and hear about although probably not his greatest, uh, the prophet Nathan tells him, hey, listen, he gives him a little story, and David says, yeah, I would kill that guy. And Nathan says, well, you're the guy in the story. But God in his goodness and his mercy does for David what he does for us many, many times. And in Psalm 51, in David's penitent prayer, notice what he prays. He says, beginning in verse number one, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God. He says, God, have mercy upon me according, watch what he says, according to your loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. David's plea was simply, God, I need you to show me mercy not based on me or my merits, but based on your loving kindness and the multitude of your tender mercies. God, I need you to show me mercy because I know that's who you are. You say, well, how does David know that's who he is? Because he had experienced him in his life time and time again. David was saying, God, I need you to utterly wipe out I need you to take an eraser and erase the transgressions and sin and rebellion out of my life and do what only you can do. And if you know Psalm 51, you know through the rest of this psalm that David, he confesses, he repents, and he asks God to, to cleanse him. He asks God to restore him. And in fact, if you read it, I would encourage you to read it again later today. I counted the other day, I believe that David makes at least 17 requests in that prayer. How many requests do we make when we pray? Do we ever go and give some glory and some praise and some thanksgiving? I'm afraid many times our prayers are nothing but a wish list or a want list from God. And David asked for 17 different things for the Lord to do. And we know that 1 John 1, 9 teaches us a principle by saying these words, saying that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when I take that verse and I couple it with what I see in Psalm 51, it's apparent that David repents, David confesses, and then, do, and then God does what he does, he cleanses. And so when David looks back over his life, he doesn't see the sting of sin dogging his every step. He doesn't, he's no, he's no longer plagued with the shameful past of his sinful decisions. No, he sees God's goodness and his mercy hot on his heels. You think about Psalm 51, the shepherd had created in him a clean heart. In verse number 10, the shepherd had renewed a right spirit within him. The shepherd had restored unto him the joy of his salvation. The shepherd had delivered him from the guilt of, of Uriah's death. And then in verse number 12, the shepherd was the one that was upholding him with his free spirit. Oh, listen. And this is what the shepherd not only did for David, but this is what the shepherd does for you and for me. So you know what we need to do? We need to stop listening to the devil. Somebody say, I need to stop listening to the devil. Because here's the reality. You know what we do? 
We listen to him as if he's God. But he's not. We need to start listening continually to the voice of truth. And the voice of truth tells us that goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. If you're a believer here today, you got goodness and mercy barking and nipping at your heels. That's like I tell people all the time, listen, I'm headed for heaven and I can't even help it. Why is God so good? I don't know, but I'm thankful he is. Ephesians 2 and verse number 4, by the way, reminds us that God is rich in mercy. He has no supply chain issues. Can you pick it up? He is rich in mercy wherewith he loved us. Right? He has raised us up to sit in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. He has no issue giving out mercy because his mercy endures forever. In fact, last week, Travis shared the words of the prophet Jeremiah who said in Lamentations 3 and verse 22 and following, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You know that in the Old Testament, you say, well, how did David know about God's goodness and God's mercy? Well, in the Old Testament, if you look in uh, Exodus chapter 34, God actually describes himself to Moses as if he needs to describe himself. He describes himself to Moses. And what's interesting is when God describes himself to Moses, two of the first things that he includes in his description is mercy and goodness. Notice what he says. Exodus 34, 5 and 6 say, And the Lord descended in a cloud and stood him, stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Verse number 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord. Notice here, here's what he's going to proclaim. He says, The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and watch it, abundant in goodness and in truth, oh listen, goodness and mercy are a part of the shepherd's love that surround us day in and day out. It was the Apostle Paul who said these words in Romans 8, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Oh, the love of Jesus surrounds us today. Who shall separate us? You know that Paul understood the answer because he says in Romans 8, 38 and 39, notice what he says. He says, I am persuaded. That word persuaded means that he was confidently convinced. Like David, it had settled in his own heart. He said, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh my goodness. Somebody ought to get excited about Psalm 23 today. Because we have a whole, whole heck of a lot of encouragement. From the shepherd. Let me just say this. There's no doubt that we live in anxious times. Anybody agree? I could take you on a spiritual roller coaster and show you that we're living in perilous times. We're living in significant times where we as the body of Christ, we as the holy flock of God need to follow our shepherd now more than ever. People are anxious about the world. People are anxious about this country, hello. People are anxious about their families. 
their jobs, their homes, their finances. We could go on and on. But we also get anxious about ourselves. And I think the reason we spend a lot of time being anxious about ourselves is because we listen too much to the devil. I've told you before, I am not going to listen to a liar. Jesus said that the devil was not only a liar, but that he was the father of lies. He is a lie himself. I'm not going to listen to him. And so can I encourage you, stop listening to the devil and start listening to the Savior. The good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the great shepherd, and on and on we could go. Oh, listen, no matter what we may face, we know that as, as sheep, that God's goodness and mercy are always going to be in the picture. No matter what else is in the picture, God's goodness and his mercy will be there. Not only does the shepherd's love pursue us, but lastly, and we're going to wrap it up here, the shepherd's love welcomes us. David said, watch what he says in verse number six again. Watch it. Surely or only goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then there's a little connective word there. What is it? And. He says, not only does his goodness and mercy follow me, but he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, this can be understood, really, in a couple of ways. And David makes it very clear in Psalm 27 in verse number 4. He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And so David is saying, because of God's love, because he's my shepherd, because he leads me and restores me, and he goes with me and he comforts me and he sustains me and he anoints me and he fills me up. And yes, even because his goodness and his mercy, they follow me. He said, here's what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to love the Savior. I'm going to love my shepherd. He said, I'm going to walk with the shepherd. I'm going to serve the shepherd. I'm going to worship the shepherd. I'm going to trust the shepherd every day of my life. And certainly this is a fitting response for any one of us who have been bought and born again into the holy flock of God. But I also believe that David may have been looking forward beyond the days of his earthly life into an eternity filled with joy in the eternal presence of our good shepherd. Notice this, God's word teaches us that our shepherd will bring those that he has fed, those that he has led and guided in this life to an unchanging mansion and a home beyond the stars. Jesus said it this way when he talked to his disciples. He said this in John 14, in verse number one and following, he says, let not your heart be troubled. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you. And he said, watch this. He says, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I go and I prepare a place for you, he said, I'm going to come again. He said, I'm going to come again and I'm going to receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Oh, listen, I believe that David would, might have been looking beyond what was going on right in the moment. He was looking on to a wonderful, joyous time when he would be with the Lord. In fact, in Revelation chapter 21, and I read this every time I'm doing an interment, I read that passage from Revelation 21 and verses 1 and following. And those of you who have been in ministry, you know this passage and it talks about a new heaven and a new earth and the fact that there will be no more sea and, and that God himself will dwell with his sheep. What a wonderful passage of scripture. 
talks about the fact that all of our wounds will be healed. Sickness will be no more. All our tears will be wiped away. There will be no more night. And we shall see him. The good shepherd. Watch it. We shall see him as he is. Are you ready to see him? I mean, take me out right now. But we know what Paul also said for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Oh, listen, our experience in heaven may be very different. Oh, yes, it will be very different than our experience in life on earth. But one thing, there's one thing that will never change. Are you ready for it? You want to write it down so you don't forget? There's one thing that will never change, whether here or there. And that's the fact that if the Lord Jesus Christ is your shepherd now, he will be your shepherd then. If he's your shepherd now, he'll be your shepherd then. Well, why, why is he going to be my shepherd then? Where do you see that? I'm glad you asked. Look with me, Revelation chapter 7. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 7 real quickly. I want you to see this. Revelation chapter 7, John is given a glimpse of the future by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And as we get to um, chapter 7, here in Revelation, John reveals an amazing truth, and he does so beginning in verse number 15 and following. Notice with me in verse 15, John writes, Therefore are they, who are the they? The they is you and me, we and all the sheep. Watch what, now watch where we are. It says, and they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, amen? Neither thirst any more, amen? Neither shall the sunlight on them nor any heat. But notice verse number 17, because here we go in verse number 17. It says, for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. I don't know if you didn't pick up what was being thrown down there, but it says here that the lamb of God will continue to feed and lead his sheep throughout all eternity because he is and he always will be the shepherd of your soul. If he's your shepherd now, he's going to be your shepherd then. I might get excited. The only reason, by the way, Go back to verse number 15. The only reason that we're standing before the throne of God is because as John 1.29 so eloquently puts it that Jesus came down and became the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. That's why we're able to stand before God's throne one day and see Him as He is. What a beautiful picture. Philippians 2.6 and following tells us that He being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant was made in likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Isaiah 53 and verse number seven prophesies about Jesus saying that he was oppressed and that he was afflicted. He goes on and says that he was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb or silent. He says Jesus didn't open up his mouth. And isn't that what happened? His life was given 
as the Lamb of God, His life was given as a sacrifice for you and for me and for our sins. But as Philippians 2.9 continues, it tells us that God has highly exalted him, right? He's exalted him. He's raised him up and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Again, Jesus said in John 10, 11, he said the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He said, I am the door. I'm the door. If any sheep come in, guess what? He's going to find pastor. But he said, not only am I the door, he said, but I am the shepherd. And I give my life for the sheep. Friends, Jesus Christ is the lamb who was slain. He was slain, brutally killed and slain, laid down his life. But as the book of the Revelation also tells us, he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. And not only was he slain, but guess what? He now reigns. And you know what that means? When someone reigns, that means they're in control. At my house, it is the queen mother and her heir. I'm just teasing. At my house, Jesus reigns. He ought to reign at every one of our homes. Jesus said in John 10, 27 and 28, he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. <laughs> and they shall never perish and neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You want to know why Jesus was able to say that? Because he's in control. I'm not in control. You're not in control. No theologian is in control. Jesus Christ is in control. And when he says they shall never perish, that's exactly what he means. When he says no man will pluck him out of his hand, that's what he means. When he says no one can pluck him out of the Father's hand, that's exactly what he means. Sometimes we get off on these tangents. This is what Jesus said. I cannot mince what he says. In Revelation chapter 7, look at it again. Verse 17. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. In other words, we will be with our shepherd forever. We will always, where he will always be leading us as his sheep into something new, something fresh, and something everlasting. Can I tell you that heaven is not going to be boring? A lot of people think it's going to be boring. What are we going to do out there? Well, I mean, you know, I would just, is everybody going to be singing in Chad's little choir up there? Yeah, yeah. You, you may not sing here, but you're going to sing one day. I figure you better get some practice down here. And by the way, I heard some of y'all sing, you need practice. You know what? It doesn't matter how you sound. When it comes from here, it's a beautiful sound to our shepherd's ears. By the way, the word fountains, in verse number 17, as we, as we wrap up, the, wor the, the word fountains in, verse, in Revelation chapter 7, in verse number 17, speaks of a source or supply of something that is always, watch this, always gushing, always bubbling up, always fresh, and always new. Heaven's not going to be boring because the good shepherd is always going to be leading us. He says he leads us to 
living fountains of water, always bubbling up, always fresh, always new. Oh, the more we see of our shepherd, the more we're going to be amazed at his greatness. So I close this last message as I started. If you're a believer, one of the greatest blessings you could ever know in this life is that you are known and you are wholly owned by this shepherd, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And if the Lord Jesus Christ is your shepherd, you will always, you will always, always, always be able to say that the Lord, the shepherd's love surrounds you. His goodness and his mercy will always be nipping at your heels, surrounding you, giving you what you don't deserve and withholding what you do deserve. That's what the good shepherd does. But I want just a second, because this is six weeks, guys. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you're here and you're not a believer, you're watching online, you're not a believer, I want to remind you that Jesus declared in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10 that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. The good shepherd came to seek and to save that which was lost. He laid his own life down. He gave his life, as I said at the beginning, his life for yours so that you would not have to uh, deal with the sting of sin any longer, but that you would know him as the shepherd. And here's the deal. When you can say that the Lord is your shepherd, you're also going to be able to say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Those things are consistent. If he's your shepherd, you're going to be able to have that response at the end. But if Jesus is not your shepherd, I thought about putting the word beg in here. But I changed it to urge. I urge you. I urge you in this moment. The word of God has gone forth. The spirit of God is in this place, no doubt. I urge you, I urge you to take that step of faith because you see, we need to trust him as our shepherd. His goodness and his mercy have been made available because our goodness won't suffice. He makes his goodness and mercy available because our goodness and mercy will not suffice. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. He wants to lead us into rest and so much more. But just like John Stockton's hymn entitled, Only Trust Him, he says this, we must trust in His Word and we must believe in Him. Romans 10 and verse number 9 and 10 simply says that if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It goes on, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is is made unto salvation. Listen, don't get me wrong. Salvation is of the Lord. Let me say it again. Salvation is of the Lord, although faith's response is a required part. Ephesians 2, in verse number 8, tells us this. For by grace are you saved through what? And not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
I'm a simple guy. I may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but let me just share one other verse with you because here's where the rubber meets the road. If you're not a believer, listen, please don't leave this room. Please don't turn off the computer or television without trusting Christ. And you say, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. How do I do that? You know what? I'm thankful that a God of goodness and mercy makes it pretty simple. Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say you don't know the shepherd? He says, call on me. I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I will, I will answer you. I will hear your prayer. Because you say, how do I, what do I base that on? I base that on the fact that our God doesn't lie. So if you've never trusted Christ, we're just going to have a time of prayer. I'm not trying to ostracize or point anybody out or make anybody feel embarrassed. But man, why would you ever be embarrassed by coming to the good shepherd? Right? But I want to pray for you that in this moment, you will pray and ask the Lord to come into your life. That you will let him know that you believe, you trust his word, you believe in him. You believe that he laid down his life so that you might have life everlasting. Just call on him. Oh, listen, that's what he wants you to do today. The Bible says now, today or now, is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, thank you for the truth of, of being a good and the great and the chief shepherd. Lord, I pray that this series has been a, a blessing and an encouragement to everyone. All those who are already believers and, and literally are, have been bought and born again to your holy flock, I pray that this has been an encouragement to them. God, certainly we need, we live in a time where we need to be reminded of your goodness and your mercy and the fact that your love surrounds us. But God, we also live in a time where people need to know the Lord. So God, I pray right now that if there's somebody in this room or somebody watching that has never trusted Christ, that they might just call out on the name of the Lord. Just ask the Lord to forgive them. And listen, it's not even about uh, some regimented set, set of words. But it's about the Word of God and the Spirit of God bringing us to the point where faith is the natural response. And so, God, I pray that in this moment, People would simply just call out upon the name of the Lord and that they might just say something. Just, it could be something similar to this. Just, dear Jesus, I realize that I need you. I am, I, am, I am without a shepherd and I need you. I believe what you say in your word. I believe that you died, that you gave your life for mine. And, and I'm asking you now, I'm asking you now as the good shepherd to open up that gate. Lord, I'm trusting you as the Lord and Savior of my life. Lord, I need you to help me, to strengthen me, and to help me to live in a way that brings you honor and glory. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I believe you are who you say you are. and I'm asking you to be my Savior and my shepherd. With no one looking around, you say, Pastor, that was my prayer today. That was my prayer. Would you just look at me? Give my attention. Just say, you know what? That was my desire. That was my prayer. 
that I would call upon the name of the Lord as my Savior. As I make my way across, I see you, bro. Somebody else, say, I see you. Bless your heart. It's so good to see you today. Somebody else, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Somebody else, say, I meant business with the Lord today. I need a shepherd. Sir, I see you. God bless you. Bless your heart. Anyone else? Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the desire of these ones who have called out upon your name for the forgiveness of sin and, and desire that, that genuine relationship with you between the shepherd and a sheep. God, I thank you for this message series that you've used to encourage, Lord, to strengthen us and to remind us of all that you do for us. God, help us to be thankful. Help us to forget not your many benefits as we go our separate ways. God, there's people here whose families are hurting. There's people here who are dealing with illnesses and facing surgeries and recoveries and, and decisions that need to be made for the future. Jobs that hang in a balance. Finances that are tenuous. And Lord, we need you now, just like we need you every day. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us. Use this time of invitation that we might come before your throne boldly, with confidence, that we might come to seek your face and that you might hear from us and that you might answer our prayers according to your will. God, we thank you for these souls that have been saved today. Lord, we trust you and we trust your word. We give you the praise for this next time, as this next few moments of time as we, as we pray, as we sing a song of invitation, Lord, that you might be honored and glorified. And we do so in the precious name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake. Amen.